Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 21. All right, so guys, uh, our little fledgling program of promoting fellow app developers' apps has got our first contestant today. Uh, I'd like to call out Paul Brown. He's uh, at Paul Brown on Twitter. And he sent us a nice little app for uh, grading. I'm not a teacher, so it took me a little bit of time to understand it. But what I got was that you have a, a, a scale, and uh, depending on how many wrong the person got or how many right they got, this thing has a nice little table for showing you what the actual grade should be. It's pretty cool, though. It's a nice little app. And it's got a fair amount of reviews, so it's it's being used. It must, have, must be out, been, have been out there for a little while. Yeah, I can see this making it pretty easy for a, a teacher to go through, grade a bunch of stuff pretty quickly, rather than having to like either do math in their head or calculate with like with a phone or a calculator or something every time. It seems pretty intuitive for that purpose. It's a pretty simple utility, very straightforward. It's free with an in-app purchase to get what looks like half scores and remove ads. So yeah, it's a nice little. Nice little app. Thank you, Paul, for that one. And uh, guys, keep them coming. We'll we'll be featuring you. And if you're a teacher, go check it out. Yeah, or if you know a teacher. Kind of a a light weekend news today. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I guess the the biggest news that has affected iOS developers is probably that we have our first public beta of the new OS finally dropped uh last week i guess at as the time we're recording and people will be hearing this uh and one of the things we were speculating on before is whether or not there would be uh reviews allowed for apps that are running on the beta and unfortunately it looks like users can go to town and (laughs) great yeah there's there's been a bunch of people on on twitter uh showing examples of users complaining about things. Well, what was the beta program? Was it a limited beta program, or can just anybody go out and, and download the beta? There's basically a sign-up page that you go to, and then you get into the beta. I don't know if they've hit the limit or not, but there's there's some sign-up process, but I think you pretty much just get access uh, right away. Um, so... Starting a public beta suggests some confidence in the current stability of iOS 9, and we did get beta 3 this past week. Have you guys kicked the tires and to see if it's relatively stable? Yeah, I started with Seed 1, and that thing, actually for a, a Seed 1, was fairly stable. It did have plenty of issues, like with battery life. Battery life was just horrible, but that seems to have cleared up. Uh, I remember iOS 7, the first betas for that were, those. that was really bad. Apps would just crash left and right, but Seed 1 was relatively stable. It had its issues. Seed 2 got better, and Seed 3 has been, which is the public beta, has 
so far for me it's been pretty good and the big noticeable differences in C3 is the addition of the new music app and the news app. Other than that, I, I haven't heard too much about anything that's that's different. I mean, noticeably I different. I think there's a bunch of bugs that were fixed, obviously, but it seems less buggy to me than Beta 2 did. The, the yeah. biggest outstanding issue I've seen is a bunch of kind of orientation issues, especially on the iPad and 6 Plus. Maybe it's not as prominent on a non-weird phone, but... <laughs> Non-giant phone. Yeah. I'm not sure. What, do we? I guess it's a phablet. On the non-phablets. <laughs> yeah. I, I did also notice that in music, I guess we got the new music app that was released, or some close proximity of it that was released with 8.4. And I tried to create a playlist, but it would let me, but I couldn't change the name of the playlist and couldn't really edit it either. So I, it's definitely not complete. Yeah, and I had heard the podcast app was broken in, I believe, beta 2, <laughs> uh, which, to be honest, I stopped using both the music app and podcast app, mostly because every single beta, um, every every single new release of the iOS during the beta, they they would just break completely. So I had to go to the alternatives during beta time, and I just stuck with the alternatives. Yeah, the, I think the podcast app in general has just been the red-headed stepchild of Apple's portfolio. Yeah. And there's been many times where I've thought, oh, I'm going to go over and, and check out Overcast or something like that because it, it gets bad. It gets really rough. Sometimes it just doesn't work at all. Like I, I'm addicted to audiobooks, and you know when the music app breaks and you can't play your audiobooks, it's quite annoying. So, well, the good thing is they're not in the music app or the podcast app anymore, yeah. right? Yeah, now they they've been moved out. They're in iBooks, so which is hopefully that'll be better. It seems like kind a of makes sense. Place and, for it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm right now. I'm I'm using the native audible app and it's just easier and it's been fairly reliable lately but of course you can't purchase them through the audible app right you have to go out to amazon site yeah that's so annoying and there's been talk of apple changing some policies around subscriptions with those types of applications but i think some people were expecting an announcement at wwdc this year didn't happen but maybe that'll come in the future well, there was an article on Mac Rumors that the FTC is actually starting to look into this issue. Yeah, I think, I forget who it was, Spotify or somebody filed yeah. a claim saying it was anti-competitive because Apple doesn't have to pay the same 30% charge um, to sell their digital media. I think which that makes was sense. also within the same time frame that they sent an email to all of their users who have subscribed through iTunes and said, hey, if you'd like a cheaper subscription go to our website and subscribe through there instead of through Apple. So I don't know if they've gotten pulled yet or not, but maybe they were doing that just kind of to, you know, goad them into doing something for that, that lawsuit. Could be. Now, did you guys try the new music app and Beats 1 radio? I have not done the radio. I've used the music app a bit. It's... I did the sign-up process, and it was cumbersome. And trying to tailor my preferences, it didn't give me enough 
artist options that I actually recognize. So uh, it wasn't wasn't the best experience. And somebody did a great write up of the onboarding process and all the places where Apple kind of fell short. Uh, we can put a link in the show notes, but it's definitely worth checking out, especially for app developers who have a sign up flow or registration process that's maybe a little more complicated. Uh, a gentleman who did the write up has written an entire book on onboarding an app. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, one thing I have noticed is it seems like there's just a lot more stuff that the app does, so it's gotten a lot more complicated. One of the biggest things that struck me, and maybe this is just because I've had previous experience with it, is now they have a lot of pickers in the navigation bar at the top of the app, and they basically just have a little down icon next to the text to indicate, oh, you can tap this and choose something different. Um, and an app that actually all three of us previously worked on, we did some extensive user testing with that and found users to not be able to discover that at all. So I wonder if that'll ever get changed or if they try something else. Although there's not many other places that they can put it really. It's not really a standard idiom on the platform. Yeah. Well, either is the hamburger menu and yet it shows up everywhere and to some degree it starts becoming a de facto standard but i think usability testing still suggests that people have trouble discovering features hidden behind the hamburger menu so the same is is true here because it just it just doesn't stand up and shout hey we've got functionality under here yeah yeah i think though the hamburger menu has actually gone on the decline but has found a home on android yeah yeah google definitely has adopted it as a standard there they even have a native like uh library component that basically lets you build your own hamburger menu so yeah. they're all about the hamburger over there <laughs> yeah i try to avoid it when i can in apps that we develop but some of our clients really like it and sometimes You've got functionality that doesn't fit anywhere else. So, um, but typically that's functionality that isn't high priority. It's the less commonly used features, so it's okay to kind of stick them back behind the hamburger menu. But sometimes that forces you to put some of the things that are like the main features of your app behind it too. Sometimes, yeah. Needless to say, I don't think we're going to be seeing a UI hamburger menu soon. No. No. <laughs> Maybe not. unless it comes in the new music app. We'll see. Well, now we've got, now that we have split view controllers on the iPhone in addition to the iPad and uh, we're building adaptive UIs, uh, kind of makes the hamburger menu, at least in in the traditional third party sense, it it's extra work that maybe you don't need to do anymore. It's a fairly similar concept with the master detail with the split view controller, but slightly different experience. Yeah. I've actually seen apps that combine the tab bar with the hamburger menu. That that was kind of strange. That sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, Facebook's like that, isn't it? It's got the tab bar at the bottom and then it's got a, so has a hamburger menu on one side to get to 
contacts, I think, maybe. Facebook will change their UI, and they do a lot of A-B testing, so you might be seeing that. I haven't seen that. Oh, I, I don't use Facebook, but <laughs> <laughs> when they did their first redesign after iOS 7, I think they still had... They got rid of one of the hamburger menus, but they had before that they had one on the left and one on the right. So they got rid of one and put it yeah. in the tab bar and still had the one on the right. They, they have made, one on the right, but it's not for like a main navigation. It's like you said, it's for your getting to your contacts. So it's not nearly as bad as having it be like your main navigation. Yeah. So let's see. Something that Alex and I have done recently is introduce app preview videos in our apps. Sam, have you done any preview videos for anything you've worked on? I have not, not even in the my day job. I briefly looked at it, but for for me on my own, I, I don't have anything right now where I would want to do a preview video for at the moment. I plan to, but it's just one of those one of those features that's uh, going to take a backseat to actually getting shipping code right now it's definitely one of those things few places where you can make your app stand out a little bit more in the app store especially if you have an app that it's hard to tell the story of, of what the app does and how how it functions with static screenshots yeah i think the preview videos are really good for for games too in terms in terms of like showing you what the app can do for sure and personally the thing that made me decide to to start making some app preview videos was I think it was back in February, but David Smith had an article where he implemented app preview videos right when they came out, which is seems like when he implements everything. But it looked like for a very short period of time, small amount of data, they had a like a 40% uh, uptick in downloads for him, which sounded pretty cool to me because, I mean, who doesn't want 40% more of whatever downloads you're getting? So yeah. And Argo, how about your own? You've done them, right? I, I implemented the app preview videos, and my initial data showed that there wasn't really much of a change at all. I just went back uh, and looked at it today, and it looks like kind of over the couple months since I, I put the app previews in there, there has been an increase of maybe like 20 or 30% and downloads over that time period, although I'm I'm not entirely sure that I can attribute that directly to app previews. I didn't do like a control app where I didn't do app previews or anything like that. So I'm kind of wishing I had now. I'm curious if anyone else has data out there. Maybe maybe if we bug David Smith he'll share some more data on that to see how his apps turned out over with more data points. Yeah, I'm guessing maybe he saw a small bump for a while, but then it maybe normalized oh it was actually for him or for me for him okay yeah i mean you never know but i mean like i said mine was actually like flatter than normal right after we did it and then gradually you know trend it up but i don't know it's one of those things that's hard to to nail down do you guys actually click on app preview videos i have several times in looking at apps especially with games i, th I think the preview videos for games definitely do a better job of, you know, it's kind of it representing the gameplay. You never know what that's going to be like. I could see that for games because you have all these clones out there and they all have the same kind of format for their game previews or for their screenshots. That's rather annoying. So I'd, I would actually like to see how the game is played, but I don't know if I'd click on it or tap on it for an actual app unless it's uh, going to be a big purchase. I mean, I've I've looked at them too, and I think other than giving you a better 
kind of sample of what the app does. One other benefit is that it's another one of those things that makes you think, oh, someone is actually invested in this this app. Uh, you can just tell by they have a little play icon. You know, maybe you didn't even look at it, but it's one of those things that says, oh, maybe this app will stay around for a little bit longer. Kind of like having a, a watch app, like it seems like half the apps have now. Uh, it's kind of annoying as an app developer because it's one of those things where you're like, well, if I don't do it, then I'm kind of falling behind. It, it just kind of raises the bar a little bit more for what the bare minimum is to be like a professional app, which it could be good if you have the resources and the time to do it, and it can be kind of unfortunate if you don't, like if you're a one-man shop or something. Do you do you have any knowledge of whether or not Apple has favored apps with app previews? I know they've featured app previews when they first launched that capability, but does it add anything to the search results? To the search results? I mean, it may... Would an app with an app preview show up higher than an app that doesn't? Yeah. It seems like it's definitely possible. I I couldn't tell you for sure. <laughs> That's yeah. another one of those black boxes that you just never know how they how they do those rankings. And it's probably a good thing that we don't know because yeah. then, then we'll get a lot of SEO shops opening up. And... Yeah. Then you have a bunch of app previews that just like rotate between the five screenshots or something. Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think generally, generally speaking, though, it, it, if your app, you know, if if you struggle to represent your app in those five screenshots, you know, an app preview video can can be very helpful. Or if you're, if the screenshots don't do it justice, it's more about the the interaction, the animations, and the transitions. Then the preview video can be a much more powerful tool for convincing users to buy your app. So you know, it can be a, a great thing and. For the most part, it's it's not difficult to create one. I don't know. I thought it was kind of a pain, personally. <laughs> it's tedious, but it's not it's not hard. I mean, there's several tools you can use to to do it yourself. You don't have to farm it out to a company that's going to charge you ten thousand dollars to do a a preview video. I mean, you can do it yourself using tools that are free or or cheap. Yeah, I think that's fair. So maybe it's not hard, but it's definitely tedious. Yeah. Yeah, we we definitely found it to get into that tedious point, especially when you're dealing with multiple screen sizes and some of the expectations that Apple has with all the various devices. And languages, right? Actually, no. Uh, you actually can't do localization. You can only do it for the primary language, Oh, which is good because <laughs> it would be extremely difficult to do an internationalized app preview video if you're supporting lots of different languages. You know, it's bad enough to do screenshots, but um, trying to record a 30-second video already on, I think, four different devices. It doesn't. You don't do the three-and-a-half-inch screen that doesn't support preview videos, but all the other screens do. So I, th I think that's four or five different different videos that you have to create. I think I only had to do two because. I did something that Apple said not to do, and I recited my five and a half inch uh, video down to four point seven inches. Um, but I had to basically do the five and a half inch, the what is it, the four inch, and the iPad resolution. And basically, the I think if you don't put a video in for one of those, it'll just maybe the four inch, it'll just reuse the four point seven inch. 
Did you have any? Hmm. Did you notice that at all, Alex? That isn't clear. I I didn't test that out. Uh, we created one for every screen size that supported it, but technically they're optional, so you don't have to do every screen size. Yeah, the UI is kind of kludgy, and when you're when you're slightly off in like the pixel dimensions of your video or something like that, the error messages are really confusing as well. Yeah. Uh, and I had it fail a few times on upload, uh, so it wasn't always clear if they got up there and got saved correctly. I had to retry a few times on a couple of the videos. Sounds like normal iTunes Connect. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. And now you can only update the video when you have a new release, is that correct? Yeah, I think it follows the same guidelines as screenshots. So uh, that's, you know, with screenshots, it's something that Apple has to preview, partially because people were putting in fake screenshots during the review process and swapping them out after the review. So they, they locked down that to only be, happen during updates. So Alex, what tools did you use to do your app preview videos? So we use GarageBand. So GarageBand has a template for doing app previews. Uh, so does Final Cut, uh, but Final Cut's, I believe, a $300 product. Slightly more powerful controls for doing this sort of thing, but for the most part, GarageBand is adequate. So GarageBand captures the video and all that good stuff too? Uh, we actually captured the video with QuickTime. Uh, use on device. And Apple recommends capturing them on device. I don't think it's oh. enforced, but they, they definitely prefer you, prefer you to capture it on device. Oh yeah, I mean, unless you have like some Mac Pro with really good GPUs and your app doesn't really do that much, it's going to look really bad if you aren't doing it on device. Would you do it on a simulator if otherwise? Is that what you mean? or Yeah. Well, or actually like holding a camera in front of your phone. You're not allowed to do that. It's supposed to be... Well, and I'm sure there's people who have been missed and are not doing that, but it basically says, yeah, you have to actually show what's what's on the screen. You can't show anyone holding the phone or actors or whatever. So, uh, you know, Game of War can't put whatever... That, that famous actress they have for at the time for their promotions in there. Hmm. It's just app usage that you can show, hmm. which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. So you, you couldn't say cut away to a group using your app. It always no. has yeah. to be a... You can okay. have transition screens to like cut it up a little bit and have a little bit of information, you know, some text as you go from one segment to another. But mm-hmm. that tends to be kept to a, a small amount Um and you're also forced to constrain yourself to 30 seconds or less. So typical app preview video is going to be between 15 and 30 seconds. And it's surprisingly difficult to show even a simple app in 30 seconds. And have the transition screens and with text on them for long enough that somebody could actually read them. Now, are you allowed to speed up the interaction a little bit? Yeah, yeah, you could okay. increase the speed of that. And we've done that partially just to hit the timings on everything the way we want. We used a, a soundtrack that we put against the, the video, so kind of lined it up with the sound. And there's a lot of a lot of places you can go to get good background music to go with the preview video. And you want to make sure you get something royalty-free that where they don't want to have you pay an exorbitant amount of money for every time somebody views your video and, and listens to the music. Right. You've got to be a little bit careful about the licensing on that. Yeah, I actually used uh, TechSmith App Show, and it had a link out to a site that had basically songs that had good good terms. I think I paid like 25 bucks for a song that I could use without attribution. So, Alex, you, you mentioned that you use GarageBand. Did you mean iMovie? Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> okay. That's why I was confused about the video recording. 
So it makes more yeah. sense now. So is there anything you would do differently if you were to to do them again to make it a little bit less tedious, Alex? I think there's probably two parts that were most difficult. One, you're basically re- trying to record the same script on multiple devices, and that can be tedious and difficult to get the timing just right. So I think automating it as much as possible would go a long way. So you could use, you know, I think if I had Xcode 7 at that point, I would have used the Xcode 7 UI testing to automate it. Uh, we tried to use UI automations in instruments, but uh, we had some of the gestures didn't get picked up properly, so it ended up not achieving what we wanted. Because we had a nice kind of swipe or pan gesture uh, that UI automation didn't record properly. So I think with Xcode 7, we probably could have automated a, a little bit better. And yeah, then, that's that's definitely true. And then the the second part is the app that we were demoing we wanted to have a good set of data to start with so setting up the data was a little bit tedious on each device so i think i'd probably want a better process for preloading the data in order to do the recording yeah i actually did something along those lines we we basically set a specific um hand that i use every time which helped make all the videos for all the different uh screen sizes look the same and made it easier to edit stuff together because there's different flows that take take or that happen based on different uh, cars that you get in the app. Um, and the, another thing that I did was kind of like you were saying with the sample data. I changed the uh, hard coded and a specific ad for the app preview in there uh, because we didn't want to kind of give free screen time. Uh, to, you know, whatever ad happened to be showing in the app at that time, and it looks a little bit better with not with some like annoying flashy ad that you get when you actually use the app. So that's kind of a bummer, but <laughs> it looks a little bit better for the video. Yeah. It said like, this is the best Euchre app in the app store. Check it out or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then another consideration along those lines is if your UI changes dramatically later on, uh, ideally you'd want to be able to quickly recreate those preview videos, which it's not necessarily something I'd want to do frequently. Yeah, I think if we have a big change, they may just kind of lag behind unless it's something gigantic, which maybe is horrible, but yeah, it was a lot of work. And the same app we've internationalized to seven additional languages, so it's already a bit tedious capturing screenshots every time the the UI changes. So, um, you know, it's automating that as much as possible is a big help. You said you used AppShow from TechSmith. Did you? I did. What was your experience with that tool? Um... It was it was a very streamlined and focused way to kind of record the videos and, and move them around. Um, they have a couple templates where it's basically like, here, set up three different uh, scenes that you kind of want to record. So you click on one, record, and it like saves it as one thing. And then you can kind of just like change the length of that scene. And then at the end, you can drop in whatever sound you want to. So... I thought it worked very well. It it doesn't have like probably even the flexibility of uh, iMovie, much less Final Cut. But I think it its defaults do a really good job of just kind of letting you get in there and get out pretty quickly. So I would recommend it. It's free right now. It doesn't cost any money. I don't know if they're still investing in it or or not. But I think they have maybe some ideas for later on letting you purchase songs within the app and, and things along those lines to monetize it but if they keep it around and keep updating it i'd 
I would highly recommend using it. It was very easy to, to actually do the recording. And did you say it had some soundtracks available? They basically uh, link you out to a site that has a bunch of uh, songs that are made for like short commercials and have uh, licenses that are A, not that expensive, and, and B, friendly to commercial non, non-attributed uh, use. So, so like stock photos, but for audio, yeah. kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And there's several sites like that, so yeah, uh, you have a lot to choose from. Although I was looking at some of the sites initially, just trying to find something good, and uh, I mean, they would cost ten times as much to have like a non-attribution license to to use the some of the songs. So it was a pretty good bang for your buck, and like songs that were appropriate for just kind of like background music on that site. So I don't remember the site, but if you download app preview, it'll link you to them. So check, check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes to app preview. <laughs> Sounds good. Or app show. Sorry. I said the wrong name. App show. App show. Yeah, right. So we, we haven't done picks in a while. Uh, do you guys have any, any good picks of, libraries or things that you've been using lately you'd like to share with everyone well last episode we talked about swift 2.0 and uh, that same week the swift summit videos finally uh, were completely um, made available online Um, so the swift summit was a a big meetup in europe to talk about what's new in swift and uh, a lot of great speakers a lot of great topics a lot of the videos range between 10 to 20 minutes, so not a huge investment in time to go out and check out some of the videos, but they're now all available. I think we've mentioned Swift Summit in the past. Uh, one caveat is that that event happened before WWDC and then announcement of Swift 2.0, so some of the information might be a little bit out of date, but there's still a lot of great topics. So check it out. Yeah, it's still relevant. From 1.2 to 2.0, yeah, there have been some good additions, but I don't think there's been a lot of uh, changing to existing functionality. And the concepts will all still apply. That sounds like some, some good resources. Check those out. Uh, my my pick was kind of a, it's kind of a random one. Uh, there's this app I started downloading called, I guess it's pronounced Lingen X. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. But basically, it's a a UI for uh, your launch daemons and launch agents in Mac OS X. And I don't know about you guys, but every time I need to go and add something or even just, like, turn it off, first I'm like, all right, what directories are these things in? Uh, what's the format? What do I need to change? Or if I'm going to make a new one, I, I'm just kind of lost in just Google for, like, an example. Uh, it's way more complicated than, like, cron or something like that on on Linux. So, uh, it's a nice, nice little app. Um, just gives you this nice list of everything. You can edit all the settings in there. You can disable or enable them, have them run whenever. So definitely check this out. If you ever do anything with your, with your launch agents. Um, no, uh, one, one thing to watch out for if you go to get the app is there is a version that's called Lingon three. That's in the Mac app store. And that actually is kind of limited by uh, 
the sandboxing restrictions and it can't do some of the things. So it's been discontinued and you should get the one that's called Lingon X2. Uh, so Lingon X, I guess, is the, the new version and there's version 2 of this out. So make sure you watch out for that because I, I think I accidentally downloaded the wrong app at first. Good old sandboxing strikes again. Yep. So the, the pick I had this week uh, was uh, implementation of protocol buffers in Swift. Uh, protocol buffers being a binary wire protocol that Google has used in-house. And uh, it's a it's basically an RPC style of uh, wire communication. And this is a Swift version of that. It, it's looked really cool. I think uh, I haven't used it personally. Uh, most of my stuff would just go over HTTP anyway. But if I was doing some kind of in-house app and I needed some high-performance communication, I would definitely look into it. I think definitely it's also a good example of Swift code. It's a nicely tested. It's a number of unit tests and just a good way, just a good example of a nice open source project. I guess that uh, brings us to the end of our show today. Yeah, as a reminder for any indie developers out there, if you want us to mention your app on the podcast, uh, hit us up on Twitter at sharedinst. We would love to hear from you. And thanks again, Paul Brown, for that submission and keep them coming. So uh, you guys want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? I'm at Alex Argo on Twitter. I'm AJ Robinson on Twitter. And I'm at Sam Quarter on Twitter. And also, once again, the podcast is at Shared Inst on Twitter. And uh, any ratings and reviews in iTunes are greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm.